Morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and this is Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed. My faith grows stronger, and I learn how to be an overcomer. Overcomer means you come over. You go over whatever it is that's trying to, to bring you down. And the scripture says that uh, the Lord is always provides a way of escape, a way out, no matter what is going on. So uh, let's believe God for answers today. Get your Bible, get something to make a note with, come on into the class. And let's ask him for fresh manna from heaven, just what we need right now. Lord, we ask you for it. Uh, the opening of eyes, the opening of ears and hearts and understanding that which we haven't seen uh, revealed to us so that we can understand it. That which we have forgotten, please remind us. And we purpose to respect what you say and what you give us. And thank you for confirming your word in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, does God get uh, more glory out of us being sick or being healed? Help me out, class. I mean, does God get more glory in, in us being in sin or being free from sin? Free from sin. Does he get more glory in us being impoverished and can't pay our bills or in having all of our needs met? It, it's true. It's in having our needs met. He is our good shepherd. Now, there are people who have twisted things and they either come right out and say it or they imply that God somehow is getting glory in your suffering. Well, if it's suffering being mistreated because of your stand in Christ, well, that's persecution. And there is reward for that. But Jesus became accursed for us in our place. And in that respect, he redeemed us, even from all the curse of the law, and we should not suffer what he suffered for us. And Scripture tells us, you know, that he took upon himself the chastisement of our peace. That means we can't glorify God by being depressed and oppressed and upset. Jesus took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses, carried our pains, and by his stripes were healed. That means we can't glorify God with disease. Come on, are you all with me? He took our sins. Uh, that means we can't glorify God by sinning, <laughs> right? But we can glorify God by being delivered, right? That glorifies God. By being restored, by being healed, by our needs being met, that does always glorify God. And you see that in Jesus' ministry. More than once it'll say, when these miraculous healings took place, it'll say the people marveled and the people glorified God. 
and it didn't say a word about them glorifying God all those years that person was in disease and suffering, but it was when they got healed. That's when God was glorified, just like it's when we get saved, not in all our life before Christ, but when we got delivered and saved, that's when God is glorified. We've been looking for some time at the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. And let's read today in Luke 8, Luke's account of this healing. If you're just now joining us, we've covered a lot of ground on this, even this specific case. So go back in the archives and faith school. It won't cost you anything. There's no charge. And get caught up with us, and you'll get more out of it that way. In verse 43, Luke 8, 43, a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stopped. Immediately. Uh, again, I, I just I, I rejoice in how quickly things can be fixed. <laughs> That's why you don't give up. That's why you, you give God uh, the opportunity to, to change it, to, to minister to you. Twelve years. It's a long time to hurt and have a problem with something. But now, just like that, no more. She don't need any treatments because she didn't have any problems. <laughs> Fixed. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. She can go home, uh, enjoy a nap. Uh, without thinking about it, get up the next day, go to work, do what she needs to. No longer does she have to think about hollering at somebody that she's unclean, don't come too close to me. That's all in the past. That's all like a bad dream that happened to somebody else because she's healed in a moment, just like that. And God's still doing those things today for people that have faith and believe. So, Immediately her issue of blood stopped, and Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throngs you and presses you, and you say, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody has touched me. We looked at this in earlier classes, but anytime you see a word repeated, 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 that's something you should really pay attention to. And already we've seen this word touch repeated, what, three times, and we're about to see it again. Why so much emphasis on this? Because that's when something was triggered. Something was made active at that point. The, the things of God can be understood. Now, certainly we're going to always be learning more about it uh, throughout our whole life and past this life, we'll keep learning. But many people don't even try. They're like, oh, you know, the God's ways are mysterious. You're never going to know, you know, you, you just never know what God's going to do. And, and, and don't even try. Well, why did he give us all this detail about this? Why did he give us the book? Why did he tell us to not be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is? He wants us to understand what happened, how it happened. Why it happened. Why? He wants us to repeat it. <laughs> he wants it to happen again and again and again and again and again. 
He said, who touched me? And uh, they say, the multitude's thronging you and pressing you. And you say, who touched me? Jesus said, somebody has touched me for I perceive that virtue or power is gone out of me. The anointing, the power of God, is the Greek word dunamis, which is force. One definition of dunamis is miracle working power or power that makes possible. Uh, Dr. Luke said, this woman couldn't be helped by any doctor or by any man or woman. So with man, it was impossible for her to get help. But does that mean it was impossible for her to get help? No, just with man. Come on, can you see that? And it's important that we we make this distinction on a regular basis of people say, well, no, nothing can be done. In your mind, you say, no, you didn't say it right. You don't know of anything <laughs> that can be done. Hmm? It's impossible. Well, to you, it's impossible. Maybe even with man. But that doesn't mean it's impossible. All things are possible with God. All things are possible to him or her that believes. Do I have any believers in the faith school class? Huh? Somebody say, I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. I'm a believer. Now, all things are not possible for doubters, for unbelievers. But they are possible uh, with God. And with those that will believe that it's possible. Believe it can happen. This force that came out of Jesus, he was very much aware of. In Mark's account and in the Woos translation that we're reading some of yesterday, he says it like this. Immediately, this is Mark 5 in the Woos. Immediately, Jesus, having had a personal and clear knowledge in himself of the experience of power going out of him, having turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me on my garments? Jesus experienced it. Well, why else would he stop? Why else would he say that? He's walking. They're going to Jairus' house. Uh, They're not having a, a service He's not teaching and preaching. He's not laying hands on people. They're going from point A to point B. And there's this massive crowd pushing, shoving, pressing. And all at once, Jesus goes, huh, okay, who touched me? Who t- Was it real to him? Huh? Real to him. Was it real to her? She touched him. And it said immediately, everybody say immediately, immediately, immediately. Man, the power of God works fast. (laughs) Immediately, she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And one account said uh, immediately the hemorrhage stopped. Immediately. Well, what caused that? What caused it? Two things. Her faith and his power. Can you see that? Two things. Her faith. Someone said, well, it it was his power. That's what you should emphasize. That's not what he emphasized. Hmm? 
That's not what Jesus emphasized. No, don't tell me what we should emphasize. We should emphasize what Jesus emphasized. And he emphasized what? He said, somebody touched me. They said, Lord, people's touching you. He said, no, I'm telling you, somebody touched me. Now, who is it? Who is it? He's looking around the crowd. And they're all, you know, still pushing and, and moving and trying to stop. And, and, and everybody is denying. People go, no, I don't know. What do you mean? No, no, it wasn't me. No, it wasn't me. And finally, he wouldn't quit. And the woman saw he's not going to stop. And she said, it was me. He said, well, come here. It was me. And she told him, and he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Don't be upset. Don't be scared. She might have been thinking, you know, is he going to want it back? What's, <laughs> what's, because she came to sneak a healing, like we had said. She's just going to come and get it and go. And nobody know. <laughs> but Jesus knew when the power left him. She knew when it came into her. Is the power of God real? Yes, Is the power of God still around today? Does God still manifest His Spirit? Hmm? In our day, in our generation, what's the difference? The reason I say that is because there's a lot of people say, you know, what we need to do is we need to fast and pray that God would uh, send His power and, and send demonstrations of His power. Well, yeah, it's good to, to, to pray. It's good to fast. But the power is here. The power was there. And if you don't uh, tap into some faith, you can pray and fast and fast and pray and pray and fast, and there still won't be any manifestation of the power because He didn't tell her your, your prayer and fasting has made you whole. Do you see this or not? No. He didn't say, well, you know, your, your, your holy living has made you whole. The things that people focus on. No. What did he say? Tell me, class. What did he say? Your faith has made you whole. And we see her faith manifested in, uh, in three main things. First of all, her faith came by what she heard. That's not one of the three. That's just how she got it. But we see her faith in what she said. If I touch, I'll be whole. Didn't we see her faith in pushing through in her weakened condition, pressing through that crowd until she got to him and third, when she touched? Can you see that? She said it. She pressed. She touched. That was her part. And that was what caused the power to flow. Flowed. You know, uh, my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, used to say, um, electricity is God's power in the natural. And uh, uh, God's power in spirit operates the same. In fact, the electricity is a manifestation of God's power from that dimension. They're from the same source. One's manifested in this dimension. The other is already there in that dimension. But they manifest in the other dimensions. Can you see this? The anointing manifested in the woman's physical body. It was unseen, but it did something to her body. And it did something that was, a, was an impossibility for men to fix. Now something 
in her, inside her body, it wouldn't quit bleeding. And she kept losing blood and, she, and, and no doctor knew how to do anything about it. But the power of God did it in a moment of time. Now, what, what had to happen? I don't know if a, an injury had to be healed or restored or if a whole organ had to be recreated on a cellular level. Doesn't make any difference with the power of God. Can you see this? Because this power is what created matter to begin with. The power that created matter, and even those who study physics uh, marvel about the properties of energy and matter and how they overlap <laughs> and how energy affects matter and matter energy. Well, there's so much we haven't yet seen and understood, but the more you do understand, the more you're going to see that the Bible is right because that's where it came from. Thank God for the power of God. Somebody say, I believe, I I have faith faith in the power of God, in the power of God. Jesus said, somebody touch me. He was aware of that flow out of him, just like that. And the moment he said that, uh, the whole crowd stopped, (laughs) everything stopped, because he wants to know. Who touched me? Now, did he, did he need to ask that question? Who touched me? A lot of people would say, well, no, you know, he, he's Jesus. He, he knows everything. He wouldn't need to ask, well, then why did he ask? And why would he keep asking? He's not playing games, is he? I mean, what's, why would he do this? The truth is, Jesus needed to ask. Why? Because he didn't know. Now, a lot of people have trouble with that. They're like, "Mm, Brother Keith, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he did know, if Jesus operated in all knowing, then he's not operating like I operate. And we're told that he became a man like other men. Well, it wouldn't be like me. Wouldn't be like you. Right? I don't operate in omniscience. Huh? Man, there's all kinds of stuff I don't know. Right? All too often I have to say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know yet. So if Jesus always knew everything, he didn't become a man like us. Hmm. And if he didn't become a human being like us, he couldn't be tempted in all points, just like us. Because what a temptation it is to fear, to, you know, give up or whatever because of what you don't know. Jesus wouldn't understand half the human experience if he always knows everything. Can you see this or not? No, look with me, go with me to the book of Philippians. There's reasons why we're taking time to talk about this. Go to Philippians, the second chapter. 
I want you to notice the subtlety of the enemy's deception. He tries to deceive you in the guise of respecting Jesus. That's how tricky he is. He, and you'll, you'll, you'll see his work when people become so indignant and so defensive and so mad. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Don't you dare try to bring him down on our level. I'm not the one that made the choice. He's the one <laughs> made the choice to become like us and to come down here and function on our level. And this, you see this anger and this indignant thing, that shows you something's wrong. What's motivating this? What's behind this? The enemy is actually trying to rob you of the reality of how to live and function like Jesus victoriously if you think he's in a category unattainable to what you can live and do. The enemy is actually trying to uh, prevent what Jesus accomplished from benefiting you and doing it under the guise of respecting Jesus more than others. Can you see how tricky he is? Look in Philippians 2. Philippians 2 and verse 5. It says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Or that can be translated like other men. And being found in fashion or made as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That is proof positive that Jesus became every bit human like us or elsewise he never could have died. Can you see that? Now, if he's functioning in the omniscience and omnipotence of God, he would have never died. But the fact that he died proves he really did become like us. Like us. Let me read to you some other translations of this because it's... Uh, the New Living says, He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. And this shows that he is turning loose of the abilities of God to become a man. Because that's what it says. He didn't see that as something he couldn't part with. Being equal with God and being God and having the abilities of God. He didn't say, I can't do that and become a man. No, he did do it. He chose to do it. And it's the uh, one, one literal version says, he emptied himself. In fact, over a half dozen different translations use the same terminology, even though it's not King James, emptied himself. Everybody say emptied himself. He emptied himself, having taken uh, the form of a servant and made in the likeness of men. The Living Bible says, uh, though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God, 
but laid aside his mighty power and glory. Uh, the contemporary English version says, he became like one of us. The Weymouth says it like this. It said, uh, even though he had the nature of God, he did not reckon his equality with God a treasure to be tightly grasped. When it says he emptied himself of what? What did he empty himself of? He didn't stop being God. That's part of the mystery. He didn't stop being who he is. His nature didn't change into something else, but he emptied himself of his omniscience, of his omnipotence, of his ability to be omnipresent. Because elsewise, he's not really experiencing what it's like to be a human being. Hmm? I mean, if you know the answer to everything before you start in the morning, you're not living like we live. <laughs> right? <laughs> and if, you, if you're never in a situation where you don't know or don't have the power to deal with something, then uh, you have not been tempted like us to despair in hopelessness or lack of ability or weakness or ignorance. You don't know what it's like to be a human. And that is the big deal. If you read the book of Job, he said this on more than one account. He said, he said uh, God's not a man. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. God's not a man like I am. Can he see like I see? Does he experience time like I? He said, I wish there was somebody. Between me and God, a daysman, an umpire, between both of us, that understands God and understands me and could represent me to him and, and him to me. Was he prophesying? Come on, was, was he prophesying? There is somebody. Oh, the great advocate. Hallelujah. Does Jesus understand what it's like to be God? Yes, he does. Does he understand what it's like to be a human being? Yes, he does. 100% complete. Which is why when he said, who touched me, the reason he said it is because he didn't know. Now, sometimes people say, well, no, Brother Keith, you know, uh, sometimes it says he knew their thoughts. I know. How? Same way you could know somebody's thoughts by the word of knowledge. That could also be translated the word of knowing. It's the gifts of the Spirit in manifestation. You and I can know things supernaturally that we'd have no other way of finding out or knowing, but God just caused us to know them. That's the, that's the manifestation of the word of knowing. But you know, he came to that fig tree that time, if perhaps he might find some fruit. You mean he didn't know if it was going to be on there or not? Jesus really did function as a man. And the reason I go into so much detail about this is because it reveals he didn't initiate this healing. The woman came and by her faith initiated the healing, and Jesus realized it when the power left him. Oh, come on, can you see that? And then he turns around. That means you and I can activate manifestations of the power of God with our faith, and instead of thinking we're waiting on God all the time, we need to learn how to flip the switch of faith on and get some things happening in our life. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. And that's it, our time's up again today. 
We'll see you soon here in Faith School. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390. 